0: Hello and welcome to Review, the show where we get to chat to the fascinating people from the motoring universe, learning how they got to where they are today. I'm Andrew and this is episode 18. I'm delighted to say hello and welcome to my guest Alexis Cassie. Straight away I'm going to ask Alexis to introduce herself and she's going to do a much better job than me and probably pronounce her name correctly as well.
1: Yeah, I did notice actually because we've already gone through that. Alexis Cassie <laughs> It's absolutely fine though. Like I said, I answered to everything so it's fine. <laughs> Um, i'm so (laughs) (laughs) sorry well i'm Alexis. um i'm a partner with my well partner at prestige diesels and sports who i'm sure some of you have probably seen on twitter but basically we're a car dealership based in portsmouth and um we specialize in mercedes bmws uh, mostly german cars so nearly new german cars
0: Okay, it's award winning, is it not?
1: It is award winning. I'm glad you said it, not me. Um <laughs> You know, we should be ever so proud of ourselves. We started five years ago in a recession and we actually became a diesel specialist at that point because for us we're in a recession, we wanted to attract businessmen. Businessmen usually drive, you know, the majority of businessmen are driving around the country and diesel cars, you know, were, were what they needed, and that's the kind of clientele we wanted to attract. Um, and three years into the business, and it's been tough, we won Best Used Car Dealer in the UK, which I can't tell you now, even every time I watch the video of us winning, the euphoria it brings into your body, you're just like, I can't believe it was us. Um, and then the next year, we went on to come runner-up, and we've won a host of social media awards as well. So I feel really proud, you know, for, for both of us, the hard work that we've put in and what we've got out of it.
0: Well, it is uh, hard work. I mean... Uh- for a lot of people, social media is a bit of fun, um, and you do appear to have fun on it as well. But there is a serious purpose to it, uh, and you—you know—it's not as though you finish right. We've finished um, at the showroom. We go home, we put our feet up. That's it. Now you're clearly working still, even though it's perhaps not quite as intense because it's a bit more—you um, know—it's a bit more jokey in social media, but you. Uh, appear to or from from my point of view i think you approach social media in a very um nice way as in i know you're there promoting the business but you're there having fun and you're having conversations with people
1: exactly i very i really try hard not to push our business in other people's faces all the time because quite frankly you're, everyone would be bored so the way it works for me is i put out um posts that i like you know one thing about social media is if you Aren't passionate about something, it can come across. So you have to put out what you're passionate about. Um, so I put out posts that I'm passionate about, and then once in a blue moon, I also put my car out there, you know, the car that I want to advertise. And it works really well because what people tend to do then is interact with that car, support you. If I was doing that on a daily basis. They'd probably wouldn't support me as much, so um, mm. it works really well. And I've made some fantastic friends on Twitter, especially. You know, Twitter's a bit like a, a, um, you know, a fairground for me, where I go on there and I meet so many different people and have so much fun. You know, this the one thing about Twitter I find is the intelligent people are there. I'm probably going to get hounded for that, but I do find the more intelligent people are on Twitter. Also. <laughs> I find then you ca- you capture yourself into groups and people then, type you know, rally around you. And if you have a day off sick or if you're suddenly missing, people generally care and think, you know, where is she? Is she OK? And I was off sick recently and I was getting texts from my Twitter followers and like DMs. Is everything OK? Are you coming back? You're not, you know, you're not dead, are you? Um, and it's really nice <laughs> to think that people actually care and it works really well for us. You know, I wouldn't say that Twitter sells us cars. But what it does is it builds up a fantastic brand awareness for us as a business. And I wholeheartedly believe that if some of my followers want cars or they hear of a friend that might want a car, they will put us forward, you know, because Mm. hopefully they see the shiny engine bays and the nice shiny cars and the effort that both of us put into our business. Um, And, you know, it's worked really well for us. Facebook is where we sell cars, you know. Okay. But i am really struggled to get on with Facebook, I'm not going to lie. I find I'm really reactive on Facebook. I put something on there and I run, and I I, I run away. Um, Whereas on Twitter, you'll find (laughs) that I'm I'm there talking to people and, you know, having a joke. And, you know, I I find it um, a much better place to communicate with people, even though Mm. you've got 140 characters, which is strange.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it lends itself better to a conversation. Um, I'm not a a book of the face user. Um, I, I stepped away from it a few years ago. Um, but from uh, my recollection and from listening to people, it seems more of um, a place where you, uh, not necessarily a business, but people post something to be seen. Look at me. It's, it, it, yes, <laughs> Look at my baby. It's a, it's, Look at my wedding. Yeah. Look at how Look fantastic, at my fantastic my life, life. <laughs> is, my perfect life. No, it's not. No, I- what I haven't seen is the tears onto your keyboard as you type it.
1: <laughs> I think Facebook have managed to Twitter, you can. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you can pay to boost posts that you know you can advertise on Twitter. Mm. I've never done it and I don't feel the need to. Facebook is very good at targeting um, groups, uh, groups of people, and it's a very good way of getting a product in front of people. And it's been very clever. Facebook have done this very well because they've managed to get even a small business like me spending a couple of hundred pounds a month. You know, you add that up over every business, you know, they've won. Yeah. But it's still the caliber of people that I feel bad sense, but the caliber of people I find that we attract on Facebook are a totally different caliber of person on Twitter. You know, I'll give an example. Today I advertised a 21 grand car and a guy's offered me 18 grand. (laughs) and right. then I said no kindly and he's just hounding me about it and I'm thinking you know if we had margins of three grand in cars you know that value would be brilliant you know I'd be really happy yes, but all, all
0: <laughs> used dealers are dodgy aren't they obviously you know this is this is the perception exactly they're, they're all dodgy they're all lining the pockets and the car's actually only worth about 10 grand well no <laughs> the reality is quite different <laughs> you know then the, it's not full of arthur dailies
1: exactly but yeah facebook have done a fantastic job of you know of capturing biz- helping business capture their you know audience in front of them
0: have they made much of a dent on um auto trader do you think or are are they an up and coming competition to auto trader because that's the big daddy isn't it you know that's the big daddy in in the uk if you if you want to sell a car online you you've you've pretty
1: much got to be on autotrader, haven't you? Exactly. What I would say about Facebook is I think actually out of all the companies out there, because you've got car gurus now who are spending a hell of a lot of money on promoting themselves um, on the internet. And bizarrely, car gurus, I don't know if you knew this, are bigger than autotrader in America. They've overtaken autotrader. All right. So it's worth having a look at their site. But what I'll tell you about car gurus is it's cheap to advertise, but they put a price on a car. And they also tell you how long a car's been in stock. And for a dealer like myself, you know, that's a hard pill to swallow. Because at the end of the day, especially for somebody like us who buys cars with a lot of spec, you know, whether it's six grand, seven grand, eight grand's worth of spec. We then mm-hmm. spend a lot of money making them as perfect as possible. You know, no scuffed alloys, you know, two stage polish our cars. So all of that comes at a price. And I'm not saying that our cars are much more expensive than everyone else. But they aren 't the cheapest, you know we're kind of like in the middle ground, um, but cargoes sadly penalize you for that because what they do is they capture the market and take an average across the board, so they don't account for spec et cetera et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. Or i don't think they do at the moment, so cargoes could be a big contender to, against auto trader, but I think you're right I think if you can if you can work. Facebook and work it right, it could be the next big thing for car dealers. But it's a really hard it's it's hard to understand a facebook i find really clunky i'm like looking around going i don't know how to do this you know it, it shouldn't be mm. that hard to work out um and but once you've conquered it there's a car dealer up north jim reed who really has conquered it he actually spent 1800 pounds in one year and it, his return on the cars he sold from advertising of 1800 pounds was 120000 it was something ridiculous He's conquered it. I'm
0: I'm no mathematician, but that seems quite good.
1: He's conquered it, but also he's in a microclimate and he's got a great following. And I think that Facebook is very hard to build up a following because you can't follow somebody and they follow you back. You have to wait for them to follow you. Whereas Twitter, you know, if I follow somebody five times out of 10, they'll follow me back brilliant yeah. so i can actually um you know start that process with facebook you have to sit there wait and watch <laughs> please follow me please follow me um and in, <laughs> you know in 5 years i'm only up to 7000 following likes so you know it's been tough but i do think if if you know what you're doing and you really conquer it some dealers have dropped auto trader for it we haven't oh okay right okay
0: um well i i, I suppose that, i mean the thing is with all with all these I mean, with any business, um, you can't divide your attention across too many uh, avenues. Otherwise, you're going to get distracted and not do a good job in any of them. So you've you've really got to pick the ones that you're. Um, I, I think I, I would presume it has to be a combination of ones that give you the best return with ones you're comfortable with using and uh, are happy with. I presume that that's how you have to
1: work it out. I've left our 14-year-old Saturday boy doing Instagram for us because I'm doing Google, Facebook, Twitter, work. You know, it's too much. And sometimes Mm. I feel overloaded with it all. And so I left him doing our Instagram and last week he sold a car from it. (laughs) I'm like, what? where did that come from never did we expect to sell a car from instagram which makes you rethink what you're doing wait a minute should i be focusing more on instagram now you know i didn't believe that instagram was going to be an avenue you know i thought it's great to get your brand out there but i didn't think it would be an avenue for people to buy cars
0: yeah and it must be careful not to get um it it must be hard i mean sorry to not get distracted and go well this thing's worked once here if I put more effort into it, will more come? And it must be difficult to work out um, and evaluate the um, the usefulness of a channel for you. It,
1: I think it is. I mean, you can look at all the analytics in the world, but at the end of the day um, – it's about having the right car at the right time and putting it in front of the right person. The same with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And maybe we got lucky. I've heard of other dealers selling from Instagram and they all say that Instagram's the next big thing. So, you know, maybe we should focus more on Instagram, but at the moment, you know, for me, Twitter is my home. And, you know, I feel that I've made so many fantastic relationships on Twitter. Um, you know, I've got to meet you. Um, Mm -hmm. so, I just, for me, it makes me more, I'm more comfortable on Twitter. You know, that's my baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, excellent. Right. What I would like to do is I would like to go back uh, in the mists of time um, (laughs) and see, uh, because uh, you clearly like cars, um, which is one of the reasons you're on here. Um, So I'd I'd like to go back and understand uh, when you first got interested in cars, And um, was that helped along
1: by anybody? Well, it's not what you'd expect. I hated cars because um, my stepfather and my mother got together when I was four years old. And my stepfather at age 21 bought his first Rolls Royce. Um, Self-made, came from nothing, got himself into the property market and bought his first Rolls Royce. So my stepfather and mother got together and... At that point, I was put into boarding school because my father was in the Navy and um, the Navy in those days used to pay for boarding school. So I think my mum was enjoying her life. I'm not going to lie. And she put me into boarding school at four and a half. And every weekend that I came home, I was dragged to class shows. <laughs> Every weekend, uh, okay. okay. So <laughs> I never, and I, and I hold this, okay, I say this to my mum a lot, we never, I never got taken to a park, I never played with toys, I was an adult from a very young age because of the life that they led. So every weekend was a classic car show, every weekend was a car meet, every weekend was a jumble sale, you know, if it was one thing, it was another. And I used to walk, walk around these cars and also at the same time, every week he'd buy a different car. Because he used to buy them and sell them and make a bit of money. And he's very good at that. So he'd turn up at school with, um, I don't know, a Rolls Royce. But not a nice one. For me, it was hideous. You know, it was a black and white one. <laughs> it was from Darling, Buds and May. Honestly, all the cars i didn't like so he'd turn up from school i was highly embarrassed there's my stepfather in his rolls royce and he'd take me home and then we would do classic car shows and i remember you know dragging my feet around these places thinking oh, i just you know i want to go and play don't
0: want to see another hubcap <laughs> i
1: know and all the cars that he liked were things like so my stepfather's really into lagonda's and uh, rolls royce bentley Um,
0: big wafty things
1: (laughs) big wafty things and they were i just look at them thinking god it's just embarrassing and ugly and i don't like it and i don't (laughs) want to be here and
0: to be fair they're not kids cars they are not posters on the wall cars
1: exactly and so i kind of lived the first five years of you know from five years old to 10 years old pretty much like that dragged around didn't like it you know christmas day came my stepfather would get the classic car out put the tinsel around it we'd drive down the road i'd be in the back highly embarrassed i'm so embarrassed everyone's looking at us you know and it, it, to, to me it was just it was embarrassing you know like i said going to school and him every week picking me up in something different and the smell of leather this is the other thing i <laughs> <laughs> i For a start, I get really car sick. Not only that, I get really seasick. It's a really bad combination. And my school was a couple of hours away from home. And we'd be in this, you know, a Jaguar or I don't know what it was. It was a Bentley. and the So you'd be taken
0: along in something wafty rolling around
1: the smell of leather and it would always be no mark my stepfather's called mark mark i'm going to be sick no you're not no no mark i'm going to be sick and he'd pull over the side of the road and there's me being sick and so the the memories i have of this is not so good and it wasn't until i hit about 10 years old and we went to beaulie and i remember we went into beaulie and there was a z1 parked there and i was just in awe with the doors i was like oh my god mm. those doors they're amazing. Um, So I fell in love with the doors on a Z1, but very quickly, within half an hour of seeing the Z1, I remember it so clearly. I saw my first 356, and that was it. (laughs) I was a Porsche lover for life, and it got me that car. And I couldn't understand why the cars I liked were so different to the cars my stepfather kept on bringing home. I was like, but I like curves. Why can't we have one of these? Um, and that's where kind of the classic cars for me started because I realized that, yes, I like cars, but I just don't like what he likes. Um, and so that's how it kind of came about.
0: In When you're in school, did uh, your interest in cars manifest itself in any lessons or anything like that? Did, did the choices you made going through school um Was the idea to have a career in the motoring industry at all?
1: No, my career choice was purely governed by Inspector Morse. I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie. It didn't really turn out the way I wanted to. So if you'd asked me at six years old what I wanted to be in life, I wanted to be a pathologist. And that was from Mm -hmm. Inspector Morse. Um, And I guess I was quite a pretentious child. A, I knew the back of nearly every Jaguar because also we had a lot of Jaguars. So I'd like to be driving down the road going, that's this and this. And then if you'd asked me what I wanted to do when I was older, I would turn around and say, I want to be a pathologist, which, you know, at you know, six, seven years old is, is probably not what you'd expect from a child. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> That kind of died out as I got a bit older and I realized that I'd have to actually cut up dead bodies and see <laughs> blood. It looked great on the TV and I loved the idea of it. But in reality, it wasn't going to work after I did a few stints in a hospital um, as, a, <laughs> as a care worker. And I was like, no, this is just not going to work for me. So the pathologist thing was dropped pretty fast. and um, And then I actually, for my actual career, decided that I was going to study law. Um, Mm -hmm. So I actually did start a law degree in Southampton. And I sadly only did it for a couple of months because um, my father was taken very ill. And my father was in the Navy and I had very little time as a child with my father as he was a submariner. So um, my father was taken quite ill in hospital and died within a couple of weeks of being in hospital. And at this point in my life, I was only 19. And for me, it was a very... It was a very hard life lesson. Um, I'd never really experienced death. I probably was a very sheltered child, you know, being in boarding school and probably having quite a nice um, privileged upbringing. And Mm. the world just came crashing down. And sadly for me, I couldn't carry on studying law. Actually, I couldn't really do a lot for a couple of years. I really took it quite badly. Um, Mm. And I think it was more the fact that he was there one minute and gone the next um and my father hated cars okay my father came home with the white capri and he was a wonderful man but he used to wear white socks jesus creepers i sometimes saw him in pink shorts with a red t-shirt he was he was a very odd man (laughs) and um he, he also studied law after he left the navy and probably that incentivized me slightly and i remember he was living in wolverhampton and he said well one weekend you want to come up and stay so he came down he drove down to portsmouth and he drove me back now he hated driving so we did the whole drive in a capri to wolverhampton from portsmouth so i know three four hours um at 50 miles an hour in the slow lane
0: right okay
1: And it was not a nice experience because he hated driving so much. And you could tell even as as a child that wasn't driving, I'm thinking, I'm really not enjoying this with him in the car. You know, I think some (laughs) points he dropped down to 40 miles an hour on the motorway, which was, you know, was quite bad. So um, anyway, law degree stopped. And I had a couple of years of kind of respite thinking, what am I going to do with myself? My life has been turned upside down. And I actually went, I don't think anybody knows this, but I've done 10 years in IT before I did this job. All right. So I actually was um, print management. Uh, I did print management for people like Samson. Um, so I was in their corporate sales team and a f- quite a few other companies. And I spent 10 years on the road as a salesperson. Okay. So if you need anything to know about printers. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: quite. Come to yeah, me. Just don't- <laughs> this is how you hit them with a stick. Um, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's how I feel about mine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know. Do you know, it was such an unexciting job, but it taught me a lot, a lot of life lessons. You know, I was doing 30,000 miles a year. I was working in a high-pressured environment, corporate sales. And I'm not going to lie, after 10 years, it broke me. You know, I remember um, driving home and I had like a three-hour drive still, eight o'clock at night. I'm just over-exhausted. I've been beaten black and blue by my manager. And I just remember phoning my mum up just saying, I was literally like a nervous wreck, going. I can't take any more. I just, I just want to get home, Mum. I've got three hours, and the other thing is, it's like, I don't know if any other salespeople out there are listening to this, but you know, five o'clock in the morning. And there's no petrol station. So you have to pull over pull over at the motorway and pee. I need to pee. I can't wait for the next petrol station. And I was just like, this is just not right. I shouldn't be doing this amount of hours and, you know, these this traveling. And in the end, I was just broken by it. And so I decided to have a change. And the great thing was um, that Scott, well, it worked out in my benefit. <laughs> um, Scott was in a partnership, my partner, and they were selling the property where they were had their car sales business and so unfortunately his partnership had to end and they sold the property and obviously their business ended so Scott at the same time as me thinking I've had enough was like I need to set up another dealership and that's you know we were together and that's why I ended up in the car trade and obviously I'd had a great grounding in life for the car trade because my stepfather had just a mass of classic cars and you know <laughs> he doesn't just have classic cars you know it would be the new, the new Jaguar or the new Aston so I'd learned a lot about cars and I'd realized that I had a passion for certain cars um, so it worked out in my favor really I thought so then actually can I just say I thought it was going to be easier but I now work seven days a week, and it's even harder. <laughs> Who said it was going to be easier? Honestly, I think i don't got to have to blame somebody.
0: Yeah, but it's um, the, the drive isn't quite three hours at the end of the day.
1: No, it isn't, and it's it's for us, and that's the bit I like. Yeah, you know, when we set that, our that business makes up, makes
0: a difference because <laughs> I, I, you know this is this is um, something I do on the side. Um, I I do have a day job with a business I run and uh i I tell you the 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 difference it makes when you realize it's you and only you or maybe one or two other people that can move the thing forward or do the thing does not focus you
1: <laughs> well exactly, and when we set our business up, we honestly wanted to be different to the average dealer out there there's plenty of good dealers but what our vision was how do we create a lovely relaxed environment where people want to come and buy a car and with no pressure and so we were allowed we were able to tailor our business to what we thought consumers would want my partner Scott is not a car dealer by trade he's a jeweler so it's, you know, okay. that's where I think the eye for detail comes. He's got an amazing eye for detail and things have to be perfect for him. So it's a really good combination because I've got the sales background. Actually, I just like to talk. I think that's all, you know, I just like to talk to people. And um, So and- you're
0: saying you talk them into submissions? <laughs> <So> <laughs>
1: is you I do think it? I probably <laughs> talk them to death. They think, just let- I'm just going to say, yes, let me get out of here. Um, and it's, there's, there's an ongoing joke because we call it the prestige five-hour sale because I've no word of a lie if you come and buy a car from us you don't leave for five hours we have coffee we have biscuits we sit there we talk about everything but the car usually i think it's because we're like oh my god we haven't spoken to a normal person for a while you know it's just me and scott like out there (laughs) i know we've just got the dog (laughs) to talk to so it's really nice (laughs) when somebody comes in but they do come in for a long time and we make great friends out of these customers
0: so you you um i would presume by now you get repeat people coming back
1: so last week we had um so i think we're five or six years into the business now um last week we had uh, one customer come back and buy their fourth car um we've got a couple of families on four or five cars
0: right well that's that's got to be testament then to that you're doing something right and that you're doing it um you're doing it in the right way and and the way that you hoped it would go is what is happening because people people uh as consumers are very happy to vote with their feet. Exactly. So if the, if they come back to you, particularly in the in the motor industry, where I mean, we, I, I joked about it earlier, but the perception is, the general perception, thanks to media and TV <laughs> and stuff like that, that um, if you go and buy a second-hand car, you're there to be ripped off. Well, and that's not how it is by the vast majority of people.
1: It's not, and dealers are being forced especially recently, to become better because of the way that the Internet has driven, um, uh, you know, the the market that we're in now. And I'm really proud to say, you know, Autotrader have reviews and the review is done between Autotrader and the consumer. We have no part to play in these reviews. Um, They're basically Autotrader contacts the customer and they ask for a review. So it's a very much an independent review. And if you look at our reviews, I'm really proud to say we're on 100 five star reviews. Nothing. no more no less
0: it's, well that i mean that's excellent to um to hear and again is another indicator that you're doing it right but what happens to somebody to a, a company say they get a a review they th- uh, think is unfair is there any way to um respond to that
1: i i think there's two sides to that there is a way to respond and the way to respond is to write a response pack because that's all you're going to get you can't take it down
0: there is the is there the facility for the dealer to then answer that direct review yes. on the website all right so it's not a case of it's um had a dreadful time, blah, 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 blah. And then you could say, well, but hang on, you wanted us to drop 20 grand off the price of this car, <laughs> which we can't do, you know, you know, to explain, you know, if they are, if it was an unfair one, that is, you know, sometimes they are not unfair. So,
1: um, If anybody wants to go and look, we had a one-star review actually on Google. Um, I'm quite happy. I think you can just read from it that the person's not the nicest. Um there's two sides because what happened with him was he bought a £1,700 pound car from us. We put a 15 month warranty on it because we're nice people. We serviced it, we MOT'd it. It was a high and die coupe. And um, anyway, within, uh, I just explained actually, it was not only £1,700, pounds, I think it was about 17 years old as well. So, um, went through an MOT with no advisories, and he was very happy when he picked it up. Uh, About three months down the line, he had a problem with his alarm, so we booked it in with a um, a mechanic, and the mechanic fixed it, and it was done under the warranty, he wasn't out of pocket, and then a few months down the line, um, a sensor of £25, I can't remember where it was, went, and... um, to cut a long story short, that was fixed under warranty. And then he had another problem and he phoned my partner up. And I don't know at what, what point do you think it's reasonable to expect a dealer to be liable, but this is six months down the line. Um, but we were still had a warranty and we still would have helped him. But he phoned up and said, I've got a problem with the car. And Scott said, Look, could you speak to the mechanic and book it in? And he said, No, I've had enough. And we're like, mm, Well, it, without knowing what's wrong with it, um, you know, we, we need you to book it in. And Actually, in every time occasion that he'd spoken to us, he was really aggressive. And I'm not going to lie. He reduced me to tears quite a few times. He was quite nasty. And the final occasion, he actually turned around and said to us that um, if we didn't give him the money back for the car, he would write a rotten review about us. And he knew how much we prided ourselves on, you know, our business. And by that point, my partner turned around and he said, go and do it. Because we would have fixed the car again, but he wasn't willing to take it to a mechanic. And he wanted his full money back six months down the line. It's a £1,700 car. I'm sure the liability of us as a dealer is way, you know, it's gone. Um, And he basically threatened us. And Scott said, just go and leave the review. It's fine. Um, And he left us a really rotten review and he didn't spell anything right. And he actually said that Scott told him to F off, which was a total lie. Funny enough, every time a customer sees that review, they always say to me, I saw your one star review, didn't believe a word of it because it was (laughs) written so poorly and he actually said at the beginning i bought a 1700 pound car and they've been really helpful and they've tried to help me and then he's just gone off on one so i I believe with bad reviews, you should never allow it to get to that stage. And before that happened to us, I never understood how you get bad reviews because surely you mediate. and You make sure that a customer walks away happy because we've had problems with cars. But trust me, we make sure that a customer walks away happy. You have to draw a line at some point. point, And that was the line Mm. we had to draw. That is why we will never sell a cheap car now because we can't deal with for us both of us we're too sensitive we can't deal with people like that and when people are spending a very small amount of money they seem to have higher expectations it's very strange but that's how it seems to work so um hence why we yeah, do they are
0: more it's the the the, uh, the lower the price um the more demanding i think is a uh, is definitely a thing um, no, I mean, that's that's that sounds uh, like a perfectly uh, reasonable and the correct way to deal with it. I mean, at some point you just, you have to say, well, this is our business. These are our, without being too huggy and touchy feely, but these are our values. And now we are going, you know, the way you are acting is taking us outside these values. We're not prepared to do that. So, you know, if you feel you have to. Do what you said you are going to do, then you can Leave go. Leave me a review. You know?
1: And I have to say the relief I felt because when he phoned up, every time he phoned up, he was so aggressive. And we would say, Look, why are you being so aggressive? Because we, we're, we're always there to help people. Whether you buy a car or not, I'm there to help you. And that's just the kind of people we are. And we couldn't understand it. And at one point, he said, Well, I find being more aggressive is I get what I want. And that's oh what you gosh. were dealing with. So when, when he left that review, I just said to Scott, Do you know what? I feel relieved. Because he can't bother us now. He actually can't phone us up. He's done it. What can he do now? So that was the end of him. (laughs) And that was the end of us selling cheap cars as well.
0: (laughs) You've decided that you wanted to do it in a different way. I mean, how does that manifest itself if somebody um, comes into the showroom? Um, because I know with, I, I mean, I see it, it with a lot of online things, people say, oh, well, we do it in a different way. We don't, there's no pressure selling and et cetera, et cetera, because that's what, I mean, because we're all, we've all bought a car. We all know what it's like. And you go in, you're suddenly going, right, I'll steal myself to walk through the door because <laughs> I know as soon as I go through the door, I'm going to be left on. You know, you're, you're building a story before you've even got in there, um, which, it, you know, is more often than not unfair. But sometimes it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, particularly if it gets towards the end of the month, you know, when people are being pushed because they're only on um, they're only on the number of sales, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, how do how do you guys do it different then?
1: Firstly, um It's all about the car. At the end of the day, we hold out for the the exceptional cars and we spend time and money making sure that our cars are really exceptional. So, if anybody was to walk in, they're not going to go, there's a scratch there, there's a really nasty stone chip, there's a curb on the alloy, the tires need replacing. You know, all our cars come with a long MOT, a newly serviced, unless they've just been serviced, and we go through them thoroughly to make sure that there's nothing that you need to do for the next year. So, the first thing is the car. So I don't need to stand there and make excuses for anything. When you walk into our showroom, the first thing you're greeted with is the dog. It's the best icebreaker ever. You know, little George, he runs up and they're like, everyone's usually like, Oh, what a lovely little dog he is. And by that point you then <laughs> say, Oh, this is George. He was from Spain. I rescued him in Spain. Um, George has been through a lot recently. He's had cancer and Addison's, So we usually just end up talking about that because they notice there's a few patches on them that are missing. Um, and, then they look at the car and they go, God, it's not like I've seen before. You know, it's lovely and shiny and it's this and that. I've just seen one, of you know, Mercedes main dealer and it doesn't look like this. By that point, I don't need to sell anything to you. You know, it, mm. it's selling itself. And then we just, we're normal people. We just like to talk to you. You know, we like to build relationships with people and we're just friendly people. So... You know, I think for us, it's just about being us. And you, I have lots of people phone up trying to buy our business. I think that's a really common thing. If you have a business, they phone up and they're like, we can sell your business to X, Y, Z. Put it this way, without Scott and myself, the business wouldn't be the business. Yeah. And I think that is the key to it. It's just about being nice people that are fair, honest. And, you know, we go over and above for all our customers.
0: Hmm. Yeah, because... um uh- I've experienced it with uh it's in different industries, but I've experienced it um that people approach because the presumption is that you want to grow exponentially and you want to sell it. And when you come across somebody uh who whose attitude like with our bit with our business and I'm not gonna talk about our business, but that's not how we want to work. We want to have the right clients and it sounds like you don't want to have uh, like a car superstore,
1: no, where it's
0: all about numbers. Therefore, you you don't get the chance, or it's harder to concentrate on the details, or be able to do the details um, because you're you're um, going for quantity rather than quality at that point. Um, and you have to dilute you two then because there's more people need to be involved, which again brings the brand down. No matter how good the people are, it's not you too, and it's not your vision.
1: You're these exactly
0: right. Are, these are people who are coming on to help you with your vision, but it's not your vision.
1: And I can tell and, you, we're never going to grow. Okay. We are not going to grow.
0: Yeah, no, and that, that's, I think that's what I'm, I'm I'm laboring to get to the point of, is that many people can't grasp that that there are people who just go no i'm i'm happy that i am doing what i do but i'm going to do it better than anybody else
1: we'll never be rich from it (laughs) that's
0: where i get this yeah that's where i get the satisfaction is i'm doing it better than anybody else or in a unique way that nobody else does and that's the satisfaction not the fact that you know we have 500 employees and we shift 25,000 cars in a month you know that's not the interest the interest is is, is having um, really happy customers who come back again. Exactly. And, well, that's what I'm getting from you anyway. So
1: That is it. And funny enough, we were actually approached, I don't know if it was last year, it was just after we won Best Use Car Dealer, people started seeing the concept of our business and how we worked. And we were approached by a, what do you call them, like a, a large company that wants to fund you, uh, a mental block.
0: Angel investor? Or, like an investor.
1: Um, and they wanted, they, they thought that the idea of, that we had and the way we did business would work really well on a supermarket level because there was very few good supermarkets and we had a thought about it for about two minutes and we were like, no, because <laughs> it really is about us and how we want to conduct our business. And trust me, if we have a customer and this has happened twice, if we have a customer in that we don't get along with, we don't sell you a car. And we will Mm. kick you out if you're rude to us. And I remember sitting in the office. with. You don't have to sell to anyone. No, exactly. And that's our choice. I was sitting in an office um, with a policeman and an estate agent selling a car. And Scott's out in the showroom. And a guy's come in that's written off his car. And he's with his friend on crutches. And it's always really bad when somebody comes in with their friend. Because what you find is the friend always wants to be the big I am pick holes in everything and I can't remember what happened straight off but it was something like he smelt the car and it had just come out of valeting we'd just finished valeting and he said oh it smells like a I can't remember, something like, you know, it smells like a chemical room in here. And Scott was explaining that it would literally just come out of vanity. And we had explained that to the customer. It had just finished, we'd just finished faxing it, et cetera, et cetera. And as the, the test drive went on and, you know, a few more things, he just got ruder and ruder. And the customer actually said, well, can you explain to me about the warranty? So Scott started explaining about the warranty. And the friend piped up and turned around and said, I don't think we need to know all this, mate and i'm sitting in the office and i see scott and he gets all the paperwork together and he just says see you get out get out now and the customers <laughs> look around and i'm nearly under the desk going oh my god i'm so embarrassed and the estate it's a agent confrontation it's yeah, a confrontation <laughs> the estate agent lady that i was with actually said no he is right i heard that conversation that guy was bloody rude and i suffer it when i you know selling houses so i didn't feel so bad but it does go to show, you know, if you're going to be rude to us, however much you need and want that car, you're not buying it. We don't, mm. we're not desperate for sales. You know, we could have done yeah. with it, but we don't need rude customers because if anything goes wrong in the future, we're happy to help and we'll fix it. Cars are cars, but once you've kind of shown that side to you, you, un- you as a dealer, you think, do you know what? I think you're going to be a problem, and I just don't want a well, so, problem. As a human
0: being. You just go well. How much am I going to put myself out? I mean, I I know you wouldn't do this because it's not part of your business, but you sort of as an as an as a natural reaction as a human being, going, "Why am I putting myself out for you?" Exactly. If if all you're doing is giving me grief, and we haven't even got to discussing cost or anything, you know, interesting, and you're 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 just giving lip, there's no point in carrying on. So, so again, it's a well, that seems the right way, um, but maybe. I, I'm, it's because I'm old <laughs> and I'm very grumpy <laughs> well, that I see. I go, well, that's the right way to do it. It so, works
1: for us. And all we want is somebody to come in. Usually, if they're walking in to see a car, they know what they want. All we want is them to appreciate how nice our car is. That's all we ask for, yeah. you know? Whether you buy or not, I had a guy today who said, I do spreadsheets. I've got a spreadsheet going, and I don't know what car I want. And I, He's driven our 328 BMW, and then he drove the A250. And as soon as he said he did spreadsheets, not at any point did I ask him who wanted to buy the car. Because I knew that that man who loved driving the 328, by the way, he was like a kid in a sweet shop. He was jumping up and down the seat when he floored <laughs> it on the A3. I knew that letting him walk away was the best thing because he'd go back to his spreadsheet he had a great experience and i would put money on it he's going to phone us up and buy that car
0: Well, you you have to tweet me when he does
1: i will <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually said to him i really don't want to sell you this car now because i really enjoy being a passenger i was like just get me behind the wheel i want to drive this car
0: <laughs> <laughs> um i want to move slightly though to um something else that you've done um the last uh, oh it's at least the last couple of years but um Charity Drive
1: oh Bangers for Ben
0: mm. two of them could you exp- could you explain to the uh, to the listeners what Bangers for Ben is and then um Give us a little rundown on how it's gone for you, personally.
1: (laughs) Well, the Bangs for Ben was created by Car Dealer Magazine and the Ben Motoring Charity. So, Ben is a foundation for people in the car trade who, for example, I don't know, get cancer or have trouble in their life they're there to support them so it's a fantastic charity and cardina magazine thought up a concept of well actually i think you know there's lots of these concepts out there but this is their concept um buy a car under 750 pounds and we're going to take you on a trip usually around europe um for three days and you're just going to drive 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 and in your old banger that you've also um dressed up in some way so uh, Fancy dress for cars. You will then also, in turn, have to also dress up with your car. Um, and basically, it's a trip around Europe for three days in your old banger. First year was great, had a really great time, bought Mitsubishi FTO for £500. Uh, we had the whole thing resprayed in golf colours and it was fantastic. Where did we go the first year? Oh, four Grand Prix tracks in four days. Or was it three actually three grand prix tracks because we didn't go to one of them because it was shut um so we did Nurburgring, ring silverstone mm, spa um okay. and it was just amazing um our mitsubishi did us really proud it was 200 brake horsepower if anybody doesn't know they're 200 brake horsepower 500 pound car and it's a v6 i mean what more could you want <laughs> and it's and it's japanese so technically you're buying into a car that hopefully won't go wrong. So we had a fantastic first year. I loved it thoroughly. And our car at the end fetched the most at auction. It fetched two and a half grand. Um, The second year, I loved the FTO so much, and I couldn't find something else for 500 quid because I don't want to spend 750 quid. Because, by the way, you give the car away at the end, you're also in it for the <laughs> 500 quid entrance fee and all the money that you need to spend, all the sweets you need to eat on the way, and you know, all those things. So I keep it under 500 pounds. So the second year, I did it with, um, if anybody doesn't know, Believe Becker on Twitter at Believe Becker. Um, Becker is the head of video and editorial at Cardi Magazine, and we were going team and we were looking for cars and I I couldn't find anything that really matched the FTO you know where else are you going to get a 500 pound car with a v6 and 200 brake horsepower so we went for another FTO again and this year, well, just gone. We did a Batmobile with this one, and I was regressing into my youth, where I put lights underneath. So every time he braked, it lit up, and it flashed at night. And when you opened the doors, we had Batman projectors shining so down. So was this
0: a, a little bit um, Fast and Furious Does Tokyo or something? Oh yeah, that film was
1: massively. I was being seventeen. <laughs> I was doing what I didn't do in my youth. I even had the. I don't know if anybody saw this, but I even had the dash flocked. I had it black-flocked with Batman symbols. The story of the dash, because I
0: did... Yes, you've you've told me a little bit of this. Please Mm. share with the class (laughs) how well that went.
1: Nobody's ever going to buy a car from me again after this. (laughs) Um, The story of the dash, so I... I saw a flock dash on the Evo um, with a Mitsubishi specialist next door. And I was like, oh, my God, I need some flocking. So I phoned up Mr. Flock and I'm like, Mr. Flock, I'm doing this for charity. And please, can you flock my dash? So Mr. Flock flocked my (laughs) dash. But um, I had to take the dash out first. And at this point, I'm I'm, I'm not going to lie, I I didn't really know how to use a ratchet, let alone a screwdriver. I'm not really a hands-on girl. (laughs) I'm just not. More of the
0: point and shout at people to do the work.
1: Kind of, yes. But I'm also not afraid. (laughs) I'm not afraid of doing these things. So I decided to take the dash out. Do you know what? It was bloody easy taking the dash out. Everyone, if you want to take your dash out, take it out. It's so easy. And then I put it back together.
0: Is it? Is it really easy, though?
1: It's really easy.
0: Okay. It's putting it back. But what about the other way? (laughs) It's putting it back.
1: (laughs) It's putting it back. So... To cut a long story short, the dash had to go in and out four times over about (laughs) three weeks. So the first time, um, I can't remember what didn't work. Something didn't work. The second time, a few things didn't work. Oh, then we had no speedo, so I took the dash out, and then we had no rev counter, um then i had a few other things so i'm
0: getting i'm I'm getting a little bit of a theme here that perhaps your next career is not going to be electrical engineering
1: no certainly not because the last time poor becker at this point is being roped into a making a batmobile that i was it was quite excessive what i'd done to it and then b being there quite a few nights till 10 o'clock dash in and out Um, because every time, uh, you started the car, the, uh, brakes were on, um, and something else was on and it, it just wasn't right. And to cut a long story short, um, it transpires that in an FTO, they put all of the cables that you need for every model. And I just managed to find two that fit <laughs> together perfectly. But what they were creating was a circuit. And but I had to learn all of this about earths and circuits. And so I was creating my own little circuit, which in return was making the braking lights being on all the time and da 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 um, Finally, I think about the fourth time, we managed to get it in, we get it sorted. But I look over and I think, why have I got a whole mug of screws and bolts left over? <laughs> What am I going to do? It was literally a mugful, and oh, no. I just said, to, I, just, I just said to the Mitsubishi. Spe- Luckily, I had the Mitsubishi specialist next door that knew FTOs inside out, um, and he just said, "Look, you know what? It's going to rattle. That's that's what's going to happen. It's going to rattle." So. We get our FTO ready, very proud of our flock dash and our lighting up car. And Becca and I have a great time driving to Italy. So, so the second time we were driving Italy and back, it was the Ferrari factory. Um, okay. And there was obviously a Ferrari theme, but we didn't stick with that. We, In a Batman. We, were, we wanted to be Batman and Robin. So, you know, we did what we wanted to do. Um, so we get to um, Italy and it was great up till then. We're loving our car, really proud of ourselves. You know, two girls, we've done it and we, driving out the next morning, and Becca's going, the car's not feeling right, and so we pull over at the side of the road, and we realise that we've either got a puncture, or we're not too sure, the tyre's the flat, but we're not too sure what's caused it, so the AA come and rescue us, and they have a look, and they're not too sure either, so we phone a lovely gentleman in Italy, actually, I lie, somebody else who spoke Italian phoned a lovely gentleman <laughs> in Italy, uh, and said, look, Really randomly, can you help these two lovely girls? That sounds lovely, but um, they're going to be dressed as Batman and Robin. Don't worry, it's normal. It's totally normal. We weren't actually dressed as Batman and Robin that day. We we were dressed as the Joker and the Riddler. Full mask, green hair, everything. So we go into this lovely garage and it transpires that we have got a buckled wheel. And in essence, the air has just come out of the, the rim of the tire. So he's there bashing our alloy and i'm thinking please don't crack don't crack the alloy puts it on sends us on our merry way it was you know really really lovely people in italy charged us i think 20 euros and we were just so thankful because everyone else is heading to the Furka pass in switzerland and i'm like i just want to get to switzerland we do about 10 minutes up the road and Pecker goes, go can't get it into fifth gear and then you just hear this awful grinding noise can't get it into third gear Pull over, phone Mitzia, our specialist, like, they oh, won't go into gear. And he's like, okay, have a look at this. And he's like, no, it's not that. Um, so we start limping. We speak to the AA and they're like, you're just going to have to keep on limping. So we're limping to Switzerland. We get to Switzerland and we're like, just, we've lost two gears. We cannot go up the Furka Pass. It's just not safe. So we have to limp back to our hotel in France. Um, and as we're going, you know, I think we lost one more gear. As we're about five minutes away from the hotel, suddenly we just hear... <laughs> so we pulled over in the car that, that's park. That's normal,
0: isn't it? That's, well, that's fine. I think
1: it's kind of fine. We pulled over in the car park, and how oh. it sounded to me was that a piece of trim had been caught onto the wheel. So I'm like, well, Becca, turn the steering wheel. Let's have a look. And then we start the car up, and as soon as we start it up, it's going... <laughs> so the AA come out. By this point, I'm not going to lie, I'm in tears.
0: Because the AA... Uh, uh, um a company, aren't
1: they? Well, the AA actually come with us. So they. they, yeah, they that's
0: it. They're part of the whole they thing. They very
1: kindly take their. They don't get paid for it. A group of them come out with us and they kind of follow us all because at, on £750 bangers, yeah, as you can imagine, doing three, you know, two and a half thousand miles, you do need somebody there. Um, yes. And they do, do do a lot of repairs in the evenings for people. Um, so we get to the hotel. Anyway, I'm crying in the hotel. I'm not going to lie. I, I was really distraught about all this hard. I, however many hours I put into that car so they've driven do around do you the- know how many times
0: I've taken <laughs> that dashboard out I know, the, it can't end this way the
1: dashboard's <laughs> coming home with me if nothing else is um, And it's he drove- luggage <laughs> he drove around the car park and he's like it's <laughs> b- your gearbox is." B- b-. and I was like well well, what are we going to do and he's like you have to take it home because if it stays here it's getting scrapped I'm like no way Batman! is not getting scrapped so Becca and I get in the car the next day and it was a bit of a somber moment i'm not gonna it was we were both very sad driving along we had fourth gear second gear i think at this point and first then we lost second and then first sounded awful but we had fourth gear so
0: that's all you need you would be fine
1: we did a thousand miles in fourth gear and every time we got to a um every time we got to a toll Put it into first gear very gently. Please pull away. Please pull away straight to fourth. And you know what? We did it. And um, We were ever so proud of ourselves. We got pushed onto the ferry. Um, and we got as we were on the ferry, Becca says, like, right, should we phone the RAC? Not the AA, because she didn't have AA cover. We have the RAC. And I was like, Becca, come on. We've made it this far. Let's limp back to Portsmouth. So both of us limped back to Portsmouth. We got her home. From? Uh, from, from the, front which is the ferry port, Calais Uh, at i don't know sorry (laughs) we're pretty dover where did you where did you
0: land in dover (laughs) right okay
1: (laughs) so um yeah we limped back from dover and it was a couple of hours just down the
0: road you'll be fine
1: it was a couple of hours and we're very proud of ourselves at this point you know two girls a thousand miles one gear brilliant we love our FTO she left us with the only gear that we needed and you know I've still got the FTO sitting out the back of my building because I can't find a goddamn gearbox because believe it or not there's only 18 manual FTOs in the UK
0: Ah.
1: can buy an automatic gearbox all day long 17 and a half (laughs) but I can't buy manual so if anybody who listens to this I desperately need a manual gearbox for a Mitsubishi FTO so I can give it back to bangers for Ben and make some money for charity that's what I need to do
0: okay let's see okay listeners let's see what we can do (laughs) (laughs) no but that that sounds like um, well one it sounds like a a incredibly worthwhile and uh, lovely charity but two it sounds like an absolute hoot Um, have you got plans to do it again
1: I'd love to do it this year. Um, I'm so torn because I want to do the Rico Rally, but you know, it, for me, I could think I feel so indebted now to Banks for Ben and the, the the fantastic memories it's created that I will probably do it again this year. I'd love to do both of them. Um, I think there's going to be a point. It isn't cheap to do. I'm not going to lie because by the time you bought the car it's like a mini holiday and then you've got to spend a of money because you know when you go to switzerland and it's like you're spending 100 quid in a bloody petrol station to fuel mm. up and eat something you know it's not a cheap thing to do um so luckily it falls on my birthday so i always say to scott well that's what i want for my birthday and he's like do we have to do it again he loves doing it but it's like a couple of grand you know for three days mm. it's worth of fun
0: yeah yeah so um if if you did it again have you got any ideas for a car possibly not a manual fto
1: Oh, i'm sorry i'm really going to struggle with the next one because i don't know what else i'll get that performance out of you know out of another car but i'd like a mitsubishi gto <laughs> i don't think i'm going to get one okay. for 500 quid
0: well i saw one uh for sale um for 800 quid oh where uh it was uh not quite classics tweeted it
1: oh i'll have to look out for that no i'd love to do it again and i'd love to do it with becca um, I like doing it with Scott as well, but it's nice having a break. And I, lo- I like, you know, I like the come around, come camar- on, can never say that word.
0: Yes, come around. Of the
1: girls and, you know, just, you know, having to do things you wouldn't normally do, get your hands dirty and create something.
0: Yes, break a dashboard, things like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, sorry. Uh, <laughs> take out and reinstall Sorry, I shouldn't not break, have said that about
1: the data because if anybody's going to buy it now they're going to think oh my god what am I buying but I have all the bolts so if anybody wants the bolts I've got the bolts with the car
0: they come they just, free with they come it.
1: free they're just not in the right place
0: get, get free mug with
1: <laughs> so yes
0: excellent <laughs> so um, going back to uh, prestige diesels and sports um. What are your, uh, that you can share with us, what are your plans for the future then? How do you see things developing?
1: Do you know what? I don't see them developing at all. That's what I like. I like us. I think we're going to stay exactly as we are. The only thing that might happen, and we're starting to step into a few performance cars, uh, but we've always been very wary of selling performance cars because unless you know exactly, you know, a lot about that car, like an M3, you want to know, Everything and anything, because if you have a problem, it could be a huge problem and it could be a very costly problem. So we've kind of stuck to what we know at the moment, but we've we've just stepped in, we've just bought a C63 and a couple of other nice bits. So if anything's gonna change, it might be that we have a couple of performance cars in our showroom. Other than that, we're gonna stay how we are. Um, like I said to you earlier, we're not gonna grow, we're just gonna carry on being us. And um, last year, we changed our name from Prestige Diesels Portsmouth to Prestige Diesel Sports, because obviously the connotation of diesel at the moment um, is not the greatest. Um, but slowly, we'll probably have <laughs> not to... Not that it's your
0: fault, but no, it's it isn't It's not our good.
1: fault at all. And James Bagger, actually from Car Dealer Magazine, wrote a really good article in Car Dealer Magazine today. And I really feel very strongly about this. At the end of the day electric cars aren't ready for us at the moment and I don't think our infrastructure of electricity is ready because if we all ran out and bought electric cars you know I don't from what I, I understand the news is that we the infrastructure of electric couldn't cope you know we'd literally be shutting down the country so we can't all have electric cars at once because we haven't got the electricity to provide for them we can't all run petrol cars because a lot of us don't have the disposable income and if you're doing 60 70 miles a day you know it, it's unaffordable for a lot of people what i i believe in this is what james baggert was saying is we need to invest more money in working away at the moment of creating cleaner diesels and surely that's the the quickest solution for right now because electric hydrogen all those options they're just not there yet one example of an electric car is if you go and buy an electric car at the moment that's all very well but try and pass exchange that in anywhere because trust me we can't take it because we don't know how long much longer that battery's got to go and we couldn't afford to go and replace the battery so if you came to us and said i've got an electric car to pass exchange we wouldn't touch it and that seems to be the case for a lot of dealers so Mm -hmm. it's great buying them but giving them back is is going to be a problem it's a sticking point at the moment so i do believe that we need to invest a bit more time and energy into working out how the small percentage of the market that actually needs diesel car who are doing those journeys, let's try and work out how to make them cleaner and greener.
0: I think the improvements in petrol engines uh, takes a little bit of that pressure off.
1: It does, but it's still not there yet. They're still um, not quite up to the no. same.
0: But I think for more average people, but I, I, I agree with you that I think there is a there is a an, there is a small. Portion who need something that will hyper mile, basically.
1: You get 70 them, 80 miles out of, out of a, BM, a MPG out of an a one series. Now you yeah, get about yeah. fifty out of a hybrid. Hmm. You know, but also if you came into our showroom now and said to me, "I am driving to and from work, and it's three miles up and down. You know, three miles to work and three miles back, and I want that diesel one series." There, I would say to you, you can't buy it. A, it's no good for us as a dealer because you're going to clog that car up and you're going to come back with problems, and B, mm. it's no good for you as a consumer. So we're actually very savvy and we're very aware that what people think they want is actually not what suits them, and we'll be the first to say petrol is the way forward for you. If you came to me and said I'm doing 20,000 miles a year, I would agree you need a diesel car.
0: Right. What I'd like to uh, move on to now are the quick fire questions. Um, and this is the moment of the show where I speak to myself, knowing full well that I'm going to completely ignore it, probably within the first question. But I shall ask you the questions. You will give your answer, yeah. and then I will move on to the next question. Okay. That's the idea. We're 18 shows in.
1: Yeah. Never
0: happened yet. <laughs> You never know, though. Let's
1: just try and make it a first, because I do. You remember when I first met you? I said, "I don't know if you want me on the show," because I'm just going to talk at you, and I don't think you got a word in edgeways that night.
0: No, I, I, I said hello and goodbye. <laughs> Good I think that point. was about it.
1: So I'm going to really try and set a precedent here.
0: <laughs> okay doke. So, uh, what currently excites you about the motoring world?
1: What currently excites me? Do you know it's the one question I forgot to look at and think, give you an answer. What currently excites me? Um, it. It excites me and it worries me. Change. It's just the change. You know, we've got electric coming through. We've got hydrogen. I guess I'm excited by the future, but I'm also very fearful of the future.
0: Why? why? Why are you fearful?
1: I'm so fearful of electric. Somebody needs to give me a Tesla to drive because at the moment I'm just like electric. No, I don't want one. I don't like it. Please just give me a petrol or a diesel engine.
0: Okay. Okay. So you, you need to experience it.
1: I need to experience it because every, every time somebody says I've driven a Tesla and it was wonderful, I'm like, I really want to experience that because at the moment it doesn't feel wonderful to me. And I'm a person who doesn't like change and I will openly admit that I'm very much comfort, in comfort of not, cha- not changing in any way. So change for me is a big scary thing. And the the thought of everyone driving electric cars and what's going to happen to all the beautiful classics. And, you know, I know they'll still be about, but I don't want the the younger generations to forget about how wonderful there's some wonderful cars and wonderful motoring history that's been created. I don't want that to be lost.
0: I don't don't think that's um, an unusual um, perception either, particularly the I'm not sure that electric is, is up to what I need it to do. Um, I think that's a problem the manufacturers, uh, current manufacturers have got, because um, we've got cars now that that do over 200 miles on a single charge. I mean, the Teslas now, they're, they've been advertised at doing over 300 miles. And for most people, that will do them a week. But they can't but afford the perception it. Is, <laughs> the, well, yeah, I mean, the Tesla is quite extreme, but the, um, the Zoe will do over 200 miles.
1: But who a wants
0: single charge. but <laughs> if that's your second car and you're a two car household and the second car is a little run around one you can start to see the sense where it makes and you always you know you're you're changing every 3 years that sort of thing it can start to sort of make sense problem is obviously this technology is still quite new so things are more expensive uh, and that's where the uh, the the problem is but anyway so as i said Completely blown out of water. I've talked. Um, so, but, but we've we've managed to cover the first two questions in one. Oh, exactly. So I will move on to bonus the point I'll, I'll,
1: there. <laughs> to
0: The third one. Um, what has been your favourite car to drive, and why was that?
1: Well, last year. I was very lucky. I've I've got a good friend on Twitter who I'm, I've got loads of good friends, by the way. I don't want to say that I've just got one because I've met some fantastic people. But Electric Blue, he he's on Twitter. Only um nine eight only nine built. He has a Bristol Fighter, and I met him on Twitter, and we've um, spoken about doing you know sp- spoken about doing a few things together. And he came to me one day and said, car reviews. Do you fancy doing car reviews? And I was like, hell yes. He said, I've got a brand new um, Porsche 911 Turbo S. Do you want it for the weekend? We're going to review it. By the way, on the Monday, you're going to review, review a Rolls-Royce Wraith. So anyway, um, I take this turquoise blue, I think I had 3,000 miles on it, 911 Turbo S. For the whole weekend, it was a burning hot weekend and it was convertible. And oh my God, that car was mind-blowing. The one thing I really took from it, because I like classics, and everyone knows I love Porsche's, but I'm all for the classics and so i've I've never really been won over by the modern ones. It won me over straight away. It was amazing how I could have put my mother in that car, I could have put my grandmother in that car to drive I could have put me anybody could have driven it, and it would have done exactly what that person needed. Does that make sense? It was mm-hmm. so easily accessible, and it was just the most wonderful experience I've ever had. To the point, actually, where my partner was driving it up the A3. And he kind of, it, the A3 is a really nice long stretch of road, but we've got a hindhead tunnel, so you've got a tunnel. It was really late at night, there was nobody there. He slowed right down and then just floored it with the um, launch control, and I was actually sick. <laughs> <laughs> pull over, pull over, gonna be sick. No, you're not. No, I am. I am going to be sick and I was sick. Um, but it was the most fantastic experience I've ever had. The Wraith, again, was amazing. And the reason why, everyone must be wondering, so what happened to these car reviews? Because they saw snippets of it and then it never materialized into anything. And really what happened was we didn't get enough good, a good enough um, voice. Uh, the quality of the what I was saying was not good enough for a start because I was suddenly thrown into cars that I didn't know a lot about. Um, and we had video footage and we didn't have everything. So we need to revisit it. And it's been one of those things that we keep on saying, we need to go back and just, you know, get, get the, the scripts and everything for this and we'll, we'll put it out there. And we just haven't gone back and revisited it. And we spoke through three weeks ago and we were like, right, this year, we're going to do it. So there is going to be two car reviews coming soon, but <laughs> it's taken nearly a year, I think. And, you know, what I got out of it in the end was a fantastic um, experience that was the most amazing car I'd driven. And it, was, it really converted my mind into actually classics aren't everything. Because at that top point in my life, that's all I ever wanted. There is a part, there are some modern cars out there that will give you the thrill factor, and you will enjoy and it will put that smile on your face. So it actually kind of, it taught me a valuable lesson. Um, so that's what happened to the car of you. So if any of you are wondering, it might happen in the next few months or do you know what, might just put it down to a really good experience.
0: uh what's been your least favorite car to drive and why was that
1: do you know i feel really bad saying this i don't know if it's really wrong i feel like it's really wrong of me as a car dealer to pull out cars but it's not a particular car it's a particular brand i don't know how many followers i'm gonna lose after saying this but voxel anything voxel i just get into them and i just hate them for some reason i hate 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 them
0: no, but I, I think um, I, I think as a person, you do you can come across a, um, a brand or a manufacturer uh, and their cars just just doesn't click with you. It doesn't work. It doesn't. You just have bad experiences.
1: We've had um, the VXRs. we've had the more, and none of them work for me. And I feel really bad. I'm really sorry to all the Vauxhall owners out there, but I just for me, I just can't get on with them. What
0: car would you like to own next? Do you even need to ask? Well, I have to because it's in my list. It's, it's in my list, so I have to because I'm a completionist.
1: <laughs> I'm famous for Porsches. <laughs> do you know what? Everyone's going to be sitting there who's listening to who knows me is going to go, well, that's going to be a Porsche. She does all she ever talks <laughs> about. It's going to be a Porsche. <laughs> I'm not fussy. Any Porsche will do, really. But a 356 would be nice. A singer would be exceptionally nice. Um, but I'd be happy with like a 1980s 911 RSR, maybe. Not fussy.
0: Not not picky. No. Not picky. Maybe
1: a little bit okay. more expensive, Good. but, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, what's your favourite road to drive on?
1: Do you know what? By Nürburgring, there was just, not only is it, so beautiful. There wasn't a particular road, it's just the area around it. And actually, at one point, on well, the first year for Bangers for Ben, we had a kamikaze bat that actually flew into our windstream and sadly passed away. Um, and I'll never forget about that bat. Um, but the roads, and that was right by Nurburgring, but the roads around there were beautiful. And sadly, because I didn't do the Furka Pass and my partner did, he was, said that was amazing. But for me, it was around Nurburgring. All of it, the beauty, the quietness of the roads and also what else is going to come round the corner because you never knew what was going to come round the corner if it was going to be you know a Mitsubishi Evo or the next minute you'd be seeing you know a 911
0: excellent yeah that's that sounds like a fun road i think you're the second person to have mentioned that oh really that road yeah i can't remember who it was i've got a feeling that it was autobahn who mentioned it
1: oh he's got good taste <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh what is the most pointless optional extra you've had the misfortune to experience
1: Right. Now, this is a question that I have been dwelling on since you sent me the questions. And I'm still no further forward with the answer. But I'll give you a couple of things that other people are like, no, no, that works. I don't know if anybody's seen on a Mercedes a little button that at the back where you put the he- where the headrests are, you press this button and they just flop down. And it's been there for years. I mean, I can still think mm. of them on 12 year old. Now, I get that. You need to reverse. You want the headrest down. I get it. But I never use that bloody button. Now, I said this to my partner. And he was like, no, no, I use it all the time. So I was like, okay, well, that's that gone then. And tonight we were talking about it again. I was like, come on, what is the most pointless optional extra? And I think to answer your question is there's very few because they wouldn't be there in the first place. And I've heard a few others people, but I, they've all got their purpose. The one I find frustrating at the moment is Mercedes and their coffee cup system. If you haven't been to Mercedes recently in the last three years, um, I think it was about two, three years, um, they've got a coffee cup. So when you've been driving for so many hours, a coffee cup pulls up and says, you know, you need to take a rest. Well, I'm really sorry. If you've got to the point where you're tired, you're not going to be looking at a coffee cup on your dash to tell you to take a rest. You're going to be pulling over anyway. So I kind of don't get it. I mean, I get the fact that they want to look like they're, you know, promoting safety. But in reality, who really pays attention to that coffee cup? And if somebody does, please tell me.
0: Okay, not had that one before. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, After chatting with you, who do you think I should talk to
1: next? I'd really... See, I was thinking about who people I would really like to hear from. Um, So I would say... Dognob. I feel really bad. I don't know his name on Twitter. Dognob, you've mm-hmm. obviously seen him. A, a yep. fascinating man. He probably can be a little bit controversial at times, but there's a lot there 's a lot of interest um, there's a lot of interesting things he comes out with, so I find them quite fascinating and obviously i 'm going to have to say Leah Rebecca Sadler because that is a lady who has had a fantastic history with cars. she worked at Jaguar, she loves her yellow cars she loves to pick on me as well, but she is a very very interesting <laughs> lady
0: in a loving way
1: in a loving way, and I also can I just touch on this before we go because I think I need to say something. If you don't know me on Twitter, there's an ongoing joke about brown cars and how much I hate them. And there's obviously people on Twitter that, and I do hate them, I'm not going to lie, I hate brown cars. I don't get it. I don't like brown cars. But there's obviously people on Twitter who have brown cars. And I feel exceptionally bad because the joke has got so big now that I have to hate every brown car because it's just unacceptable to like any of them. And it's... It's just become such a big thing that people send me brown cars, and I feel so disgusted by them, and I'm openly disgusted. And I always think there's going to be some poor person with a Porsche 911 that's brown out here, and they're going to be thinking, you know, probably I'm following me. So I do dislike so brown. So even
0: a singer in brown. <sighs>
1: I'm really going to struggle oh, with it. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to struggle. Am I pushing the boundaries? I that... know. And this is my issue, you know, <laughs> that I am going to struggle with it. And I don't, especially nowadays, 15,000.
0: 000... Matt, Matt gold wheels. Can I Ooh. just say,
1: 15,000 brown cars were sold last year in this country.
0: Yeah, it's a drop though.
1: It's a drop and I'm very pleased because people are obviously listening. It was a massive drop. To-
0: I, think, I think you should um, <laughs> you should uh, be proud of your efforts there to <laughs> dissuade the world or this country from buying brown.
1: <laughs> I, I, all I want to say about the brown car thing is, yes, I don't like brown cars. And if you have a brown car, I'm really, really sorry about that. But at this point, I then can't go back on anything I've said because it's become such a big thing that I'm just going to have to accept it. That I'm going to have to hate brown cars for the rest of my life.
0: So there's no, there's never been a brown car gone across your forecourt?
1: Never been. I've actually said to Scott, you seriously can't buy a brown car ever now. Because, you know, there's people that go onto our website and look to see if we've got any brown cars. And one time we had a brownie-orange car, and they honestly pulled it off our website and stuck it on Twitter. Well, wait a minute, you're selling this? It was a good friend of mine. And I said, <laughs> like, no, you're going to hunt me out anywhere and everywhere. So, um, so yes, no to the brown. <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, um I will uh add both of those to uh my hit list which sounds far more sinister than it <laughs> really is. It's just a it's just a yeah, uh, simple spreadsheet that I have a list of names of people for me to bother.
1: Can <laughs> and I say, say also? Please come on. I think I'm the first girl.
0: I was going to um say that that you are the uh the first the first lady that we've had on the show uh and it's uh very poor of me to have taken 18 shows to get to that point. <laughs> there are other uh, women that I have been asking to come on the show, and we're in the process of trying to work out uh, viable dates. Okay, I'll to let do you off But um, this is not to be uh, just a male orientated because it is everybody who loves cars. And what you were saying about Twitter earlier, um, I-, I endorse wholeheartedly. I love this corner of Twitter that's interested in cars and all the people that are there. And they generally are open and willing to chat to you, even if they don't agree with you on everything with your particular choices, maybe say brown cars or yellow cars, <laughs> um, but they're willing to, to chat to you about it and forgive these little, you know, it's one of the few few things at the moment in the world where people are able to have conversations
1: I totally As opposed agree. to just shout
0: at each other and say, if you don't agree with me 100%, then you're wrong. Um, so that, that's quite refreshing, and it's a nice place to hide.
1: <laughs> it, and I totally agree. And also, when I've come into some hard times on Twitter, because there's there's some also some not nice people – I can think of people that have been there for me and stuck up for me. And even Speed Monkey Matt, I rarely speak to him, but I've got a lot of respect for that guy. I had a really tough time on Twitter once, and he was one of the first people to stand up and stick up for me. And, you know, there's some fantastic people on there, but also they're really quick to help when you're in trouble. And I think that's a really lovely place to be. And there's very few places, like you said, in the world left like that.
0: Um, well, on that, uh, I would... Um just like to ask, the the last thing I want to ask you here is, what are the best ways for people to uh, follow what you do, um, get in touch with you and that sort of thing? What, what would be best? Well,
1: I would just say Twitter because you can go to our Instagram account, but it's not run by me. It's run by our 14 year old Saturday boy. He's lovely. Called Ben. You can speak to him. But if if you really want to chat Diesel's to me, calls too. <laughs> that's what he does actually. He's done test drives <laughs> and everything. He's a lovely young man. But if you really want to actually contact me, the one place that you can be for sure I'm going to be is Twitter. Okay, so I'll also Diesel's. put um,
0: <laughs> links to uh, your website as well. Um, and I'd just like to finish off by saying um, thank you so much for coming on. I've had a blast and it's been, and it's been great to hear uh, from um, – a non-cliched uh, motor trader who <laughs> who is in it um, for the right reasons and is incredibly passionate about what they do uh, and doing it right. So that, that's that been uh, wonderful to hear. So uh, thank you so much for being on, Alexis.
1: No, and thank you. I love your podcast. Um, you know, it's nice to have this kind of outlet out there so I can listen to them on the way to work. So thank you for creating what you've created.
0: Oh, well, that, I, I'm blushing now.
1: Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thanks once again to Alexis for coming on Rearview and chatting to me. I hope you found our conversation as fascinating as I did. If you would like to suggest someone who I should ask to come on this show, please do get in touch. If you use the hashtag RearviewPod, we'll be guaranteed to see it in Motoring Podcast Towers. To get in touch with me directly, search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter. And if you like to keep up to date with motoring news and opinions and car reviews, go try out the sister show, which is the Motoring Podcast. I'd like to take this chance and opportunity once again to ask you to leave a rating and review, preferably on iTunes. It really makes a difference to the uh, show. Uh, It makes me feel as though I am doing something that you value. And it also helps others find this show. So until next
1: time, that was Alexis Kessie. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.